Hi, YM family. It's a great joy to meet up with you. It has been a long time since we met, though we meet virtually, but we can still make this connection. And so I bring you greetings. You know, the, the writers, especially in the New Testament, whenever they come together, they use two words, peace and grace to you in Christ Jesus. And you know, I'm beginning to appreciate those two words ever since the pandemic that we need the peace of God and we need the grace of God. And so let the peace and the grace of God in Christ Jesus cover you today as you listen the word of God. And I like what Josh said, leaning to hear the voice of God. You know, it is not only important for us to hear the voice from the Bible, but we need to hear the voice of God in our own hearts. And I pray this morning, by the Holy Spirit, you will be able to hear the voice of God in your hearts. The word I want to bring is from 1 Peter 5. I've been looking at 1 Peter 5 for a long time. In fact, the entire epistle of 1 Peter. And the reason is, the epistle of Peter was written to suffering Christians. People are going through hardships. People are going through difficulties. People are going through tough times. You know, sometimes when we ask, how is life? People will say one of three things. So-so. Another one will say, not so good. Lah. But the third one will say, up and down. And if you pause for a while, they will say, more down than up. And I think that describes us in the pandemic. Since 2020, there have been no more downs than up in our lives. More downs in our finances, more downs in our mental health, more downs in our family uh, situations and relationships, more down in our jobs, more down in our health. Difficult time, we go through suffering. And in this place of suffering, this place of hardship, we are always looking for a place of shelter. We are looking play for a place of rest. You know, in the midst of pandemic, CNN came up with two questions. It's interesting that CNN should come up with two questions. What do I say? Interesting. Number one, they said, where is God? <laughs> this is CNN, right? And the second question is, what is he doing? You know, in, when we go through hardships, when we go through suffering, we are looking for a place where it will be a place of rest for us, where there will be a place of recovery for us, where there will be a place of refuge for us, where there's a place of fortress for us. And as I think of this, Peter writing to the suffering Christians, the Christians were suffering, and he wrote this letter. And this is what he said. In fact, I'm going to read the last portion of the letter. When 1 Peter 5, verse 12, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning as we lean in to hear your voice. May your voice reverberate in our own hearts and we would hear you say, stand fast in the true grace of God. And Holy Spirit, come and open this word to us as what it means and how do we go about standing fast in the true grace of God. 
that instead of more downs than ups, we will know how to get onto the ups in our lives at a time such as this. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You know, the word that I have and I've entitled the message, Stand Fast in the True Grace of God. Stand Fast in the True Grace of God. As I said earlier, that when we go through hardships, we are looking for that place of rest. We are looking for the place of shelter. We are looking for the place of, of refuge. And I recall the words of the psalmist. Psalm 91, you remember that. In fact, that is the famous psalm, most popular psalm in the, during the pandemic. Psalm 91. And it starts out, starts out this way. Whoever, now I want you to f- focus on whoever. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And he said, He is my refuge. He is my fortress in whom I trust. What a picture. In a place of suffering, we are looking for a place of shelter. We are looking for a place of shade. We are looking for a place of rest. We are looking for a place of refuge. We are looking for a place of a fortress and God provides that. Wow. If CNN should ask, where is God? God is right here. But how come we don't seem to feel Him? It is because we don't turn to Him. (laughs) We don't turn to Him. But He who commits Himself and draws near to God will find shelter, will find rest, will find that refuge and that fortress. And that is what is needed during this time of hardships. I know personally, friends, relatives, even in our own family, we went through great challenges during this pandemic. And we have to find that place of rest. We have to find that place of shelter. We have to find that place of refuge and fortress. And the only place was the place of God. And so I want to bring this word to you. Here the word says, uh, as Peter writes to the suffering Christians, he might as well speaking to us, He said, stand fast in this true grace of God. What does that mean? If you look at this passage, it says here, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying. Now, this is important. He has written to encourage the suffering Christians. I've come to encourage you. I know you go through a lot of things. Some of you are going through illnesses. Some of you are going through difficult family situations. Even in the way you are studying, Education has changed. The way we are studying has changed. And it is not without challenges. But I want to say this, that God is coming through His Word and by His Spirit to encourage you. And the word He has for us is simply this. He said, stand in the true grace of God, which I have testified in this letter. So what does it mean? It means this true grace is found in the entire epistle that I've written. This grace that I'm talking about is found in this short letter that I have written. Now, another way of saying it is, if you read 1 Peter 5, or 1 Peter, the entire five chapters, you will see how Peter lays out the way God has made us to live. You know, there are two ways to live. We can either live through God's ways or live outside of God's ways. So here it says, I have written to you, these five chapters as it were, this letter, brief letter he says, and I have shown you 
what the way God has made us to live. Second, I've shown you the way that God blesses us. And, I, and he said, don't work out your own way. Don't struggle and don't neglect God's way. Stand fast in the way God has shown you. Stand fast in the way God has shown you in this episode. So, what do we do? How do we go about standing fast in the true grace of God? Well, if you look at uh, a person, the person of Jesus Christ, he was going through suffering, tremendous suffering. What did he do? And you'll read this in 1 Peter 5, uh, sorry, 1 Peter 2, verses 21 to 23, but I'll just read verse 23. It says here, when they hurled their insults at him, in another place in verse 21, he said, when he suffered. So when he suffered and when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he committed himself to him who judges justly. Meaning, when, when there is suffering, the question asks, where is God? We need to turn to God and commit ourselves to God. Because many of us know there is God, but we don't turn to Him. So, the first thing Jesus did here was, when He was going through suffering, He turned to God. He committed Himself to the Father. So, similarly here, we are called to commit ourselves to God. In 1 Peter, verse 9, uh, in 1 Peter 4, verse 19, it says, Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator, and continue to do good. So he says, commit yourself to the faithful creator. So the first thing we need to do is to turn to God and commit ourselves to God. Oh, how does that look like? You say, commit, commit, commit. What does it look like? Number one, how did Jesus do? What did he do on the cross? He prayed for them. <laughs> what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, how did he commit himself to the Father? Prayer. So the way to commit ourselves to God is through prayer. You know, last year, sometime in March, February, March, one of our relatives, in fact, my wife's sister, older sister, was diagnosed to have cancer. And they gave only four to six months to live. It was devastating to the whole family. And as if that is not enough, another sister was diagnosed to have a tumor in the brain. Now two sisters. They're all in Sarawak. The family was so devastated, they didn't even have energy to pray. But one thing we all did, we got together over Zoom and started to meet every Sunday, and listen very carefully, every Sunday night, 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. for prayer. Only one hour. And I remember the first few sessions of coming together to pray. The family members did not have the energy to pray. They were too devastated. They were too broken up by the news that they didn't have that energy to pray. And I remember my brother-in-law looked at me and he said, Dora, you're the only sober one here. You pray. <laughs> But we prayed. That is what it means to commit ourselves to God. We committed ourselves to God. And you know, today, even though they have given her only four to six months last year, 
she's still alive and still moving on and she's getting on well. She had to go through chemotherapy and the financial uh, uh, involvement is, was great, was large, sum of money. And at that time, we didn't know where the money was coming, but God did a miracle. <laughs> as we came together, as we committed ourselves in prayer, as we came together and prayed, with all our tears, we began to come and pray. And God provided for the treatment. And both the sisters went through the treatment. Both of the sisters are now recovering, recovering well. And more than that, there was healing in the family, emotional healing in the family. And so I want to say this, the way to commit ourselves is to first come in prayer. Do not underestimate the place of prayer. And God gave me a picture, and this is what I want you to listen. If nothing else, I want you to listen to this. The moment when you begin to pray, you pray out of your worries, you pray out of your cares, you pray out of your pain. When you come to God and begin to pray, God lifts you out of those cares, lifts you out of those pain, and puts you in this place of grace. Wow, that's why he says, stand fast in the true grace of God. And so the second question when they ask, where is God? The first question, the second question, what is he doing? Well, only when we come to him and cry out to God, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in this true grace of God. And I saw this picture. Oh, we are swamped by all the things, tough times, low times, all kinds of hardships. But when we come to God and come to Him in prayer, He lifts us up and puts us in a place of refuge and fortress and rest, the place of grace. It is not that the storm is over. The storm, in fact, is even fierce, more uh, fiercer than before. But He has shielded us and put us in that place of grace. And I want to say, my friends, those of you who are going through, young or old, the first place you need to come to is the place of prayer. It's the place of prayer. You may not be able to pray much, but if you could just come and say, Lord, my family, and He will lift you out from that pain that you are going through and puts you in that place of grace. I'm saying this from experience. I'm saying this from experience, but I see it in the scriptures. That he, he sustained us throughout. You know, we, just last week, we just said, you know, we, one year, one year we have met over Zoom in prayer. One year. Wow. 52 weeks. Maybe we missed two weeks because some of them were traveling. So 50 out of the 52 weeks, we actually met and committed ourselves. And what happened? God took us and made us stand in the place of grace. Oh. You might say, okay, what does God do when we stand, when He puts us in the place of grace? You see, when we commit ourselves to God, this God is, first of all, He's a faithful God. You read that in 1 Peter 4, verse 19. He's a faithful God. When you come to Him, He's faithful. Number two, He is our creator. We are the creator. We are the creatures. He had, we are the creation. He had created us, and we come to the creator. He knows how to... how. We should ought to function. He is the one who will be able to know how to repair us, how to refit us. He is the creator. He knows what to do with us. And that is why in 
1 Peter 5 verse 10, this God of grace, when we commit ourselves to him, it says here in verse 10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, suffering, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. One translation says, this God of all grace, <laughs> this grace who says, stand in this place of grace, come to me and I'll make you stand. And he says, I will restore you. Another, the, the second word is here, second word he says is, I will confirm you. The ESV says, I will confirm you. I will, I will restore you. I will confirm you. I will strengthen you. And I will establish you. He is not standing there and looking at you. Uh, yeah, yeah, what is happening with you? No, he is an active God. He steps into that place. And the word restore is a very interesting word. It means to repair and refit and set you in the direction. It is to repair and refit. And the second word is confirm. Confirm means we don't know where our location is. You know, in this pandemic, we have lost our bearings. We don't know where we are and we do not know where we are going. But God, this God of grace, as we commit ourselves to Him, He comes and He fixes our location and resets us in the direction towards the destiny that He has called for us. Wow, powerful. Powerful. You know, after 40 years, <laughs> I began to listen to some lectures in forestry from my former university. They went through the, some very difficult times themselves. Uh, the place where I studied, Oregon, they went through not only the pandemic, went through fires, forest fires. And they talked about resilience. And you know what they said about resilience? You will become resilient when you have a sense of mission. When you have a sense of purpose. It is God who gives us a sense of purpose. It is God who gives us a sense of mission. And He confirms us. He, he locates us where we are and refixes our location. And then He resets our direction, resets our mission, resets our purpose. And that is how we remain resilient. Wow, this God to whom we come. The third word is strengthen. We'll have lost strength in this pandemic. Either it's mental strength, whether it's physical strength, or whether it is financial strength, whether it is emotional strength. Some of us have even lost the spiritual strength. But he says, I will come and replenish and renew and rejuvenate and reinvigorate the strength. Only this God will do that. <laughs> Only this God will do that. And the last word he said was, I will establish you. I like the word establish because it means I will ground you on firm foundation. You know what the pandemic has showed? The pandemic has actually shown to the society at large, both at a local level and at globally, that what our real foundations are. Yeah, even at the university level, even at the education level, they begin to show what exactly our firm foundations. Now, I want to tell you as far as the church is concerned, our firm foundations lie on two units. Number one, the family unit, because the family unit is still intact even through the pandemic. Number two, the small group is still intact. It's still the firm foundation. So these are the two foundations that we need to build on and continue to build on. But he says, I will establish you and ground you on firm foundations. In fact, the actual word he says is, I'll recalibrate you and ground you on firm foundations. 
And I'm taking a lot of time just on one point because the rest are going to be very fast. But I want you to know this God of all grace, he come, you come to him, he restores us, he confirms us, he strengthens us, and he establishes us. Well, once that is done, what does he do? The second thing we need to do in order to stand fast in the true grace of God is to walk in it. <laughs> it is not only to stand, but also to walk in this grace. Because in 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6, 1 Peter 5, uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 5 says, uh, all, your, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor or grace or gives grace to the humble. So he says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. How do we walk in this grace? Be humble. You know, God wants us to walk in his grace. It's interesting. Even in this whole pandemic, even in this hardship, God wants us to walk in this grace, in, into this area of grace. It looks like grace is a place. And what, how do I find this place? You'll find this place, number one, as you come to, in prayer, you'll see this place of grace. The second, number two, when you walk in humility, you will see the, this place of grace. Humility. Walk in it. Walk in this grace. How? Humbling ourselves before one another. By the way, what, what is humbling ourselves one another? Very simply, number one is submitting to the will of the Father. Submitting to the will of God. But he says, humble yourselves with one another, uh, before one another. It means you submit yourself to one another. Number two, to walk in this grace is to cast our cares upon him. In verse 7 of 1 Peter 5 says, cast your cares because God cares for us. You know, you might say, nobody cares for me, but God cares for you. Because he says, because God cares for you. It's as clear as that. God cares for you. And number three, he says, be watchful. How do you walk in this? Be watchful, meaning being prayerful. Why? Because the devil prowls around to look for whom he would want to devour. And then he says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Resist him. Now, I, I don't have time to go into what, how it means to resist, but just to say this, you go back into Ephesians chapter 6 and then says how you need to resist. It is in and through the armor of God. How, where you would stand in righteousness, you'll stand in truth, you'll stand in the gospel, you'll stand in faith, you'll stand in your salvation, you'll stand in the word of God and you'll stand praying. That is how you will resist the devil. So, number one, it is to commit yourself to God. Number two is to walk in this grace. And number three is to serve in this grace. You see that in 1 Peter 4, verse 10 and 11. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And I want to say this, uh, and then he goes on to say, uh, verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. I want to say this, to function in the grace, to serve in grace, it is to serve in the gifting that God has given you. Now, my gifting is in the area of teaching. My gifting is not in the area of worship. <laughs> I can't sing. I do not know the difference between A and G and, and C. I don't know the difference. I, I can sing in, 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 on any, in any key. You know? I, and the only thing is, you only want to listen. Uh, but what I'm saying here is this. When you function in the gifting that God has given you, you are functioning in His grace. Wow. 
So what are your giftings? Find out what your giftings are and function in those giftings. And grace, you'll walk in grace. So not only you stand in grace, not only you walk in grace, you also serve in grace. And when you serve in the area of grace, you actually flourish, you get better and better. It's because God had given you that grace in that gifting. So, number four, you respect it. You respect that grace. Why? Because it's a grace of life. And we are heirs of that grace. You read that in 1 Peter 3 verse 7. It talks about being husband and wife, but it applies to everyone. It says here, husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And I would say be considerate with one another and treat them with respect. Respect one another. And as, as with you of the grace, of the gracious gift of life. So the life itself, our very life itself is a gift of grace. Wow. Our very life, the life in each and every one of you is a manifestation of the grace of God. So what do we do? Show respect to it. Respect one another. Honor one another. And that is very, and this is the time for us. Uh, not to be devouring one another, but to respect one another. And number five, and finally, live in it. Live in it. Because in, uh, if, in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, that is the grace, that is the salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 13, Therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you. As if you read further, what it basically says is this, this grace of God has appeared through the person of Jesus Christ. Live in it. Live in this grace of salvation. And hope in this grace of salvation. And so there you have it. To stand fast in the grace of God is number one, is to commit ourselves to this God of all grace. Number two is to walk in that grace. Number three is to serve in that grace. Number four is to respect that grace. And number five is to live and hope in this grace. <laughs> but you know, how do you do this? Because he says here, this true grace of God. You know, as I pondered through all this, I recall the I recall the words of John in John chapter 1, verses 14 and 17. He says, Jesus came full of grace and truth. In verse 17 of John chapter 1, he says, the law came from Moses, or Moses gave the law, but in Jesus came grace and truth. True grace. <laughs> grace and truth. It is in Jesus. When we say stand in the true grace of God, it means to stand in the person, in the presence, and the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when we stand in the person of Jesus Christ, we stand in the true grace of God. You know, I went through this whole episode. The person of Jesus Christ is mentioned 62 times just in the episode of First Peter, 62 times, the person of Jesus Christ. So when he said, this I'm testifying to you, this is the true grace of God, he's testifying to Jesus Christ. So to stand fast in the true grace of God is to stand fast in the person, in the presence and the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But as I close, I just want to say 
three things that could hinder us. Very quickly, I won't go into the details. Three things that could hinder us. What could hinder us from receiving this grace? Well, in Hebrew chapter 12, he says, make sure you don't fail the grace of God. In another translation, he says, make sure that you do not stand in a place where you don't receive this grace of God. What is it? Number one, bitterness. In verse 15, in verse 15 in Hebrew, he says, uh, Hebrew 12, 15, bitterness will cause us not to be able to receive this grace. Then sexual immorality in verse 16 of Hebrew chapter 12 will also hinder us. Now, sexual immorality of any form will hinder us from receiving this grace. And then in verse 16 of the same chapter, it talks about not thinking of God or taking the things of God lightly like Esau. That also hinder us from receiving this grace. And the last one is pride. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5 says, God opposes the proud. Pride will hinder us from receiving this grace of God. But my friends, today you can come before Jesus Christ and ask God, ask Jesus to cleanse us as we repent of our pride, repent of our bitterness, repent of our sexual immorality, repent of being careless about the things of God or not thinking about God, not even coming to God. As we repent, Jesus will cleanse us with His precious blood, forgive us and restore us back. Because God is a God of all grace. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Father, I thank you today. For my brothers and sisters, you know them by name. And you know what they have gone through. You know the very hardships they have gone through and are still going through. But I pray, Lord, this morning that you will draw them by your spirit and bring them to your, that place of grace where you would pour upon them not only your love, but you'll pour upon them that sense of restoration, pour upon them the sense of that confirmation, relocating them and resetting their direction and to a sense of strength to come in, a sense of that foundation to be set, grounding them in firm foundation. And Lord, that you will cause them to walk in that place of grace. And that place of grace is the person, the presence, and the power of Jesus Christ himself. I thank you, Lord. You know, before I close, I want you to just put your hand on your heart. I want to pray for you. You may be seated in your own home, you know, though I can't see you, but I just want you to put your hand upon your heart. And if there is something you need to repent, you just say, Lord, I'm, I, I repent of this sin. I, I want to come back to you. Forgive me of my sins. And I want to return to you. Just that, just that, just, just, just that. That is the first group. Second group of people, I would say this, Lord, I commit myself to you. And I can see that when I commit myself to you, you lift me up from this miry clay and will put me in this place of true grace the person and the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, Lord, I pray right now, commend both our parents and even their children. Today, you'll restore them to that place of true grace. That every one of them, Lord, will walk in the true grace of God to your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.